Welcome to Grace in the Shadows. This is Dr. Marla Beeler and Dr. J. Dr. Jonathan Beeler. Hello, everybody. Hope you are doing well. We're on another sunny, hot day. 95 degrees in Mobile, Alabama. Hot, hot, hot. We would like to do a quick shout out to Tahunga, California. All right. Yay, yay, yay. You are in the suburbs of Los Angeles, California. So cool. it looks like a yeah, really cool place. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You can check us out at graceintheshadowsor.org. You can text or call 251-244-4645. Or you can email us at drjonathan at graceintheshadowsor.org. All right. As we're, you're about to share your facts, I'm sitting here watching the dog. He's making a little nest in the chair with the blanket. He's so cute. He's All right. A good what pup. Ki- he is a good pup. He, he just looks kind of funny, though. All right. What you got for us today? Well, Nick? since you're talking about pups, the yes. tallest dog. The tallest dog. Okay. Gibson is a great Dane, was the world's tallest dog. Measuring 107.18 centimeters from floor to shoulders and standing at 2.19 meters. In uh-huh. August 2009, Gibson, who was battling bone cancer, passed away. Oh, that's it. And, but in the photo, in this photo here that we, I can't show you, but you can picture it. Gibson <laughs> is seen playing with his friend Zoe, a 19.05 oh. uh, centimeter chihuahua. <laughs> he could have eaten that little dog. Uh, speaking of Great Danes, did you hear about the guy that took his Great Dane, his uh, support Great Dane on Emotional the flight? Emotional support. Yep. Emotional support. Did you hear about that? They took him on a plane. He bought three seats for the dog. Well, yeah, he sat in one seat and the dog had two other seats and they have videos and pictures of him. On He's so cute. Good pup. Such a, I would just love to be on a plane with, with one just to pet his head. He has such a big head. He's so cute. Yeah. Big head. Yep. Tallest right. man. Okay. Sultan Kosin of Turkey is the world's tallest man, measuring eight feet, one inch, and was officially measured by Guinness Book of World Records officials September 21st, 2009. Kosin's height was caused by a pituitary condition, and he expressed his happiness in being named the Guinness World's Record holder for the tallest man ever. How exciting. 18.1 inch. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if he right. owned the tallest dog, too. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> That's fun. That's not funny, Jonathan. Not funny uh, okay. at all. All right. Well, what's our topic today? Oh, you just want to go straight into the topic. Okay, we can do that. I do. Talking about some anxiety. Oh, anxiety. Kind of the, how the cycle of anxiety works from person to person. General right. overview of what you know, the cycle, how it works and, you know, the, the different stages and triggers and okay, okay. How, how that comes about. So I think the first okay. thing is how anxiety works okay. is trigger or stressor. Mm. There's almost always a trigger or stressor. Sometimes we don't know exactly what it was. That's why you have a trusted friend or your, yes. or your therapist or, uh, right. you, you know, you, you're able to keep your, 
journal, uh, get into uh, some of the nitty gritties of your emotions, sometimes you can yes. pinpoint it there. Okay. But a trigger or stressor uh, is the, often begins with that, with okay. a trigger or stressor. This could be a specific situation, mm-hmm. uh, thought, or event that causes a person to feel anxious. Okay. So triggers can be real, perceived threats to one's well-being, uh, and they can vary widely. Mm-hmm. Some people get triggered by being like in open areas, like a stadium, right, uh, or a big crowds, like a, a stadium, <laughs> or you know, a small room with uh, or elevators, yes, uh, yes, with people. So I mean, there's different type types of triggers. It could even be a movie. Uh, well, you're watching a okay. movie that may remind you of a situation or scenario. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, most of the time, the they're not real threats. Right. But you you interpret the as a as a as a threat, mm-hmm. uh, even though it may not be a uh, uh, direct threat physically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. Usually I tell people that they a person has a hypersensitive um, central nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, God has given us a fight for flight right, to protect us, just like a smoke alarm uh, you, you know, protects our home mm-hmm. from smoke, fire. And some smoke alarms go off if you burn toast. <laughs> but that's True. not a threat. No, right. And so when you look at... Um, fight for flight, some people's hypersensitive, mm-hmm. um, you know, central nervous system, fight for flight is protecting yeah. them uh, too much almost. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Physical and cognitive responses. Okay. So it goes from the trigger to physical or cognitive responses. This is when the person encounters a trigger, the body and mind respond. Mm-hmm. And physically, the body begins to activate the fight for flight, like I mentioned. That's right. adrenaline rush, uh, heart rate, rapid breathing, muscle tension, mm-hmm. sweating. And then you have the cognitive anxious thoughts and worries that arise, like focusing on potential dangers or negative outcomes mm-hmm. or worst case scenarios. Right. So a person in an elevator, you know, the elevator is going to crash. Uh, a person in a stadium, and I'm going to have a heart attack. Right. Or a person on a bridge that's walking across a bridge and, you know, they feel like they're going to uh, fall off. Right, right. And it's not, always re- it's not always rational. No, no. But that's how it works. Yeah, I can't stand elevators. They freak me out. So I get it completely. And then it goes to the um, stage of avoidance and safety behaviors. Mm-hmm. So what this is, is in order to cope with the uncomfortable feelings and thoughts and anxiety mm-hmm. that the person has just experienced from the trigger and from the physical and cognitive responses, the person will try to avoid certain behaviors uh, and seek something to protect them that's a more of a safe uh, choice or safe behavior. Right. 
such as running across the bridge instead of walking so that they can get over <laughs> the bridge quicker. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's or avoiding the bridge. Right, right. Or avoiding people, avoiding the uh, escalator or the elevator. Yeah. Um, and and that's not, it may, it may help at first, mm-hmm. but usually it just kind of uh, gets worse before. It, and, and if you give into that, it may, you may feel the symptoms um, uh, go away. Right. But well, eventually it gets worse and often in other situations and people often become agoraphobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really lose the quality of their life. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Well, no, you actually, yeah, you talked because sometimes, you know, to um, not have these issues, you'll try to avoid things and you can't always avoid your fears. No, you, know, you can't if you stay home and, and do nothing, but you can't always avoid elevators or escalators or bridges or things like that. Heights. It, sometimes you definitely have to face them. And, and as a person who is not that happy about elevators and things, um, you can't always go up 3 million stairs. You know, you have to take the elevator. And, you know, after you take it and you get out of it, you're like, okay, I did this and, and I can do this again. And so, you know, confronting that fear often helps us feel more empowered, I feel. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and you know, when we give in and we avoid a, a mm-hmm. situ- a behavior, they actually avoiding it reinforces the anxiety cycle in the long run. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We look for short-term relief. Mm-hmm. So avoidance and safety behaviors can provide short-term relief mm-hmm. from anxiety. They create a sense of control and reduce distress in the moment, but reinforcing the belief that the behaviors are effective in managing anxiety, which isn't good. Right. Yeah. Long-term consequences. Okay. Hmm. Over time, relying on avoidance um, and safety behaviors can lead to negative consequences. Oh, yeah. Like the extreme situation scenario is agoraphobia. Um, it, it can limit a person's ability to engage in meaningful activities, developing coping skills, dealing with past trauma and face their fears. And the safety behaviors prevent the individual from learning and growing and living and living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you have increased sensitivity. Okay. The cycle of anxiety can make a person more sensitive to future triggers. Mm-hmm. And you, thus you have fear of fear, which develops into panic attacks. Right. And people are relying on drugs and other things mm-hmm. or to, to deal with that. And you have a heightened anxiety response mm-hmm. with more potent uh, and more irrational uh, anxiety to potential threats. Very true. Very true. So I think when breaking the cycle of anxiety involves, um, of course, I'm going to say God and the gospel. You need the word oh, of God. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, but this is more clinical, this, this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. A good, a good therapy uh, therapist. Christian one. Uh, Christian one. And I think learning to change those thoughts and face those thoughts, challenge those thoughts, and gradually confront feared situations through exposure therapy mm-hmm. and developing a healthier coping strategies. There, is, yeah. there are medicines. There Some are, you yeah. want to be careful with because there's addiction tendencies. Right. Others are alternatives as well. Mm-hmm. I think they're all, you know, medicine and therapy is very, has a very high success rate when, in regards to anxiety. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of the cycle of anxiety, how it, you know, starts, how it begins and the cycle, the stages and steps to where it becomes a way of life for some people, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Learning to deal with that, face Mm it. Yeah. uh, You know, uh, change the thought process, putting your trust in God, um, you know, tr- getting a good therapist, talking about trauma that a lot of times anxiety comes from past trauma, childhood trauma, traumas from past relationships and uh, traumas from, uh, you know, situations, car wrecks, uh, other traumatic events. Absolutely. And, and having a close uh, friend or family member uh, that you can talk to definitely helps as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, but, but God can take, take your mess, mess turn to a message for his glory, for your good. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Goodbye.